up, everybody out there? Welcome to the Backmarkers F1 Show podcast. This is episode number 137. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. I am your host, Chris Cato, and we've got a full house in store for today's show, a really big show planned today and a really important one as well, not just because of the excitement that we had at the British Grand Prix in this past weekend, but some really big breaking news that just happened in the past 24 hours and I couldn't be happier to be joined by my fellow backmarkers to get their instant reaction and to get all of the debate and topics out in front of you guys here on YouTube and on the podcast world. So without further ado, let's bring them in now. Shaker Barty, Tyler McDonald, how are you guys doing today? Doing great. Great to, do, uh, to see you boys. And yeah, lots of, uh, lots of fun drama coming around over the last few weeks and especially the last 24 hours. So Excited to see what you boys think about uh, the recent developments. Yeah, a lot of exciting news. And it's kind of like a little start to, you know, summer silly season, which is kind of nice. So it's <laughs> like a nice little head start for us to, to get see what it's going to come out in the next like three weeks or so. So pretty excited. I kind of forgot about silly season now that you mentioned it, but... We were going to start this podcast initially, obviously talking about the British Grand Prix because it was interesting and there was some things that we will get to, but we do have to talk about the big news of the last 24 hours. And if you guys have been living under a rock or maybe you're in some different time zone and you haven't been able to hear the news, you're going to maybe hear it here first on the Backmarkers F1 Show podcast. And that is that Nick DeVries is out at Alpha Towery and he is being replaced by quite the familiar driver that we all know, Mr. Daniel Ricciardo. The former Red Bull driver is now moving to Alpha Towery for the remainder of the 2023 season and is on loan from Red Bull. And this is quite the surprising move. I know that we've uh, talked a lot about Daniel Ricciardo in last season and in the preseason as well in terms of his future in F1. But this move comes as a bit of a surprise to everybody in the F1 world for many different reasons. So this topic is going to take up the first half of this podcast because it's so interesting and there's a lot of different ways that we can go to it. But first, let's just get initial reactions from the three of us. Tyler, I'll start with you. This is still a couple of hours fresh for us here. What's your initial reaction to Daniel Ricciardo's promotion and Nick DeVries' demotion out of Formula One? I mean, I'm very happy for Danny Rick. I mean, I think he still should be in Formula One. Um, but in my opinion, I mean, obviously we're not on the inside of, of Red Bull, but I just feel bad for Nick DeFries because, you know, that's, you know, with the 10 races that he got with Alphatari to prove himself, that's not a lot of time in Formula One to prove yourself. And I know he had a tough start, but I mean, if every driver had a tough start, tough start and got sacked after 10 races, you know, we wouldn't see a lot of all drivers that we still see on the grid on there. I mean, Yuki Tsunoda had a really tough start to his uh, career. So did uh, Guan Yu Zhu, in my opinion. And I, th- I think he was pretty hard done by here. Um, he's a very talented driver. I mean, he's won a Formula E championship. He won a Formula 2 championship. This isn't some sort of um, pay-to-sponsor driver that has come up just so you can get some funds. This is a very talented driver. So I feel uh, pretty bad for Nick. Um, so yeah, just, just very unfortunate for Nick DeVries in the end. And I hope he ends up finding a drive maybe in some other, um, you know, either in IndyCar and whatever he decides to go for, if he decides to go back to Formula E, um, and, you know, very happy for Danny Rick at the same time. Love, very stoked to see him back on the grid. Um, 
but I, I, you know, it, it is the AlphaTauri spot is usually like a young driver spot. So it's kind of weird to see Danny Rick in it in the first place. But again, just very excited to see Danny Rick back on the grid in general. Um, so it'll be good. This came as uh, quite, quite out of left field. But I will say that in this case, it isn't so surprising because also remember that Nick DeVries is not a Red Bull driver. He's not a Red Bull Academy driver. He's actually from the Mercedes program, and this was kind of one of the first instances where Red Bull's junior team would go outside of the Red Bull family and hire a driver, and AlphaTauri was in a very difficult spot last year because they let Pierre Gasly go toward Alpine. They were trying to get Colton Herta at the time. It didn't work out, and they didn't want to really touch Daniel Ricciardo coming off of his stint at McLaren because they didn't think that he was ready. I know Ricciardo also wanted the break. So they kind of took the chance on DeVries and that one good performance he had at the Italian Grand Prix in 2022. But I guess it just really didn't work out in the end. And like you said, Tyler, fair to Nick DeVries as well that this car is one of the worst that AlphaTauri has produced in its history in F1. I mean, this is one of the worst starts that they've had to a season since way back in 07 and 08 when, when they first really started to enter into Formula One. But just a little bit of the backstory maybe here as to how this happened and everything. I know, Tyler, you brought that up here, but uh, I have this uh, tweet up here from uh, Red Bull Racing News on Twitter, and you guys can go check out their account. And uh, we'll just read off the cliff notes here that this is according to multiple sources. So again, take it with a grain of salt. It doesn't mean that it's all 100% true. But the decision to sack DeVries was done earlier than expected after the simulation data comparisons between Ricardo, Sonoda, and DeVries. Uh, DeVries did not hit simulator benchmarks that were set by Yuki. Uh, Nick was given a few more rounds to try and hit these benchmarks on the track, but obviously he wasn't able to do so. The uh, sponsor saw Daniel as a more profitable and, uh, sorry about that, more profitable and seen as key to AlphaTauri's rebranding. Of course, they're going to be dropping the name and going to a new name next season. Um, so one of the Red Bull junior drivers, Liam Lawson, he's still part of Red Bull's future. And uh, Helmut Marko does not want uh, Liam Lawson's development interrupted mid-season. He's, of course, in Japan racing in Super Formula. And uh, he didn't really want to put him in that seat combined with how poor this car is. They thought that that might screw up his potential as well. So Red Bull is also kind of leaning toward the fact that Honda, with its deal with Aston Martin in the next few years, will want to take Yuki Tsunoda with him, which is why they don't really have any big plans for Tsunoda to move into the, the senior team. And... One of the big factors as well here is the Checo Perez side of things here, which is that this seat Daniel Ricciardo is getting now at AlphaTauri might be slightly a warning to Sergio Perez that if he doesn't perform, maybe when his contract runs out, it could be Daniel Ricciardo going back home to where it really all started for him. So what do you think of that, Tyler? Do you think that this is the, uh, the kind of the underlying decision here from Red Bull to uh, promote Daniel Ricciardo? The interesting thing is Sergio is under contract for next season as a Red Bull driver in 2024. So um, what's going to happen there? Does, does his contract get um, moved down to, to AlphaTauri if you know Daniel Carlo all of a sudden comes up and has a phenomenal performance in that car? Who knows? Um, it, it's going to be really interesting to see how that all plays out. But definitely uh, it could be a warning shot. And uh, just looking at next season's kind of driver market a little bit, um, there are no confirmed drivers for next year's Alpha Tauri car as well. So um, I guess Yuki's, Yuki's contract must run out at the end of this season with uh, a few drivers. <laughs> There's about half the grid that uh, isn't locked up for next season. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's definitely definitely a little bit of a warning shot to uh, to check out. But in the end, I, I do we really want to see Danny Ricardo and Max in the same you know team again after uh, the last season together? I mean, like as as <laughs> you're nodding your head as in you want absolutely. to see it or you do, okay? <laughs> I absolutely want to see it. Um, yeah, like it, it'd be great, but from what I remember from the last season, it didn't go too well for both Danny and Max. Uh, and, and despite the misses, Checo is still in the points, still in second place. Obviously, he could be definitely outperforming uh, to secure that P2 uh, championship position in the end, but he's still being a good teammate to Max in the end. I'm sure he'd appreciate a win, but in the end, that's that's in his pocket. He's got to pull it out. It's not really up to the team at that point. So definitely a warning shot for sure for Checo, and we'll see what happens. But I, I, I think in the end of, I think in 2024, we'll still end up seeing Sergio Perez as a Red Bull driver and in that Red Bull seat, not an Alpha Atari or whatever they decide to change their name to. Yeah, I mean, he's not having a bad season. The start to his season was phenomenal, Sergio Perez's. And then since the Monaco Grand Prix, it's kind of really gone downhill. And we were talking about him as a championship contender, and then it all kind of fell apart. And that's been the story of his Red Bull career so far. But I think he's done a really stellar job for the team since he's joined them. And like you mentioned, second place in the championship, still helping in the constructors. But it's not as good as it should be, realistically. If we look at Max Verstappen, he could be leading the constructors' championship just on his own with how many points that he scored. But it's interesting because I think that uh, when you start to read about some of the things online, you know, I think Ricardo, he wanted to take the time off and he was looking to eventually maybe join Alpha Tauri in 2024 because he wanted a full preseason under his belt. He wanted a car that next year is also going to be in closer collaboration with Red Bull in terms of the technical side, which would obviously mean a significant increase in performance. And if we're giving the example today, when he was doing the Pirelli tire test in Silverstone, it was testing the Pirelli tires without the tire blankets. And Ricardo's best time during the test today was a 127.4, which was seven-tenths of a second off of Max Verstappen's pole time. Now, keep in mind that these are different, harder compound tires that Ricardo was driving with without the blanket warmers. Different track conditions. The track was obviously rubbered in after a weekend of the Grand Prix and no rain in the last few days. But you still got to admit, only seven-tenths off of Max's pull time is pretty solid. And he had the fastest time today in that test. So this half day of the Pirelli tire test seemed really like the final stamp of approval that the Red Bull bosses needed. And it looks like they pulled the trigger right away to put him into that seat. But let's keep in mind here that Ricardo now has to perform. I mean, he's taken about a half a year or so off from Formula One. He had a really, really rough last two years at McLaren. With the success of Piastri this season, in particular this last race at McLaren, it kind of makes him look even worse than what he did before. So Ricardo has to come in now. He has to drive a very tricky AT04 that's been probably the worst car this season. Certainly the least amount of points scored in 2023. And he's got to go up against Yuki Tsunoda, who has made a lot of improvements in the last 12 months or so, and he's not going to be easy to beat. And a lot of pressure is on Ricardo. I mean, we might talk about Perez, we might talk about these other drivers at risk, but so is Ricardo. I mean, his career right now is on the line because if he were to get beat by Sonoda the rest of the season or just be way off the pace like he was in the McLaren days, who would really want to re-sign Dan or Ricardo after that? Yeah, it's a very good point. I mean, he does have to perform, and... Um... You hope that 
uh, that Red Bull kind of, I don't want to say car because it's, it's not a Red Bull car, but um, the similarities are, are hopefully closer to a Red Bull car where you had that much, that much success rather than the Renault and the McLaren that we saw him where he really struggled. So um, hopefully it fits his driving style a little bit more. Like you mentioned earlier, he had to completely relearn how to drive after driving that McLaren for you know a couple of years. So it shows you that he, how comfortable he was with his driving style with the Red Bull car as well. And, um, you know, how much maybe those two styles, his driving style and the way that Red Bull designs their cars just mesh perfectly. Yeah, I know. I'm excited to see, I'm looking forward to see what happens because, I mean, he was still a Red Bull reserve driver. So who knows what kind of testing and stuff was involved even beforehand i know it wasn't doesn't count for alpha tari but still sister teams in the end um so yeah we'll we'll see what ends up happening happening with daniel ricardo i don't know where to put my hopes they're not very high for daniel ricardo at alpha tari i think he'll he'll do well um but again like you said this is definitely the worst card that they put out in a long time so you can't can't expect too much from going into the Alphatari. If he can match Yuki Tsunoda's times, I think that's I think that's a great start. Or even outmatch Yuki Tsunoda, I think that's a great start for Daniel Ricardo and hopes of uh, him returning in twenty twenty four. We won't have to wait long to see how he's going to perform. Of course, he will be in the car for the next race at the Hungarian Grand Prix, which is taking place next weekend. So we will see how it will all unfold. But uh, comment your thoughts down below on the whole situation, Ricardo's promotion, DeVries' demotion, and what you think of the whole situation going forward for next year's driver market. And before we move on to the British Grand Prix, uh, we just wanted to get your quick thoughts there on DeVries and uh, just an honorable mention to him as well because very talented driver, like we mentioned before, previous champion in F2 and Formula E as well. And a driver that we thought and many others thought should have been in Formula One much earlier than he was and was, you know, essentially a 26, 27-year-old rookie, which is not usually common nowadays in Formula One. And unfortunate, I really do think he should have at least deserved one season to see what he could have done and to see if he could have improved at the latter stages of the season. But Tyler, you mentioned something interesting just off air as we were talking before we jumped on the podcast of where you think Nick DeVries might end up following his demotion from F1. Yeah, I think IndyCar would be a great spot for him. I mean, there's more and more eyes on IndyCar um, this season and last season there ever has been, especially from the Formula One side. Um, we're seeing Pato Award get looks, obviously, with McLaren. We're seeing Colton Herta get looks in Formula One. Um, Alex Palou has been, uh, you know, he's a Sp- Spanish driver. He's been racing phenomenal over these last little bits. He's someone who uh, who could get some attention. And we've seen F1, you know, stars and young drivers who, you know, possibly do, who just, you know, didn't make the cut um, head over to IndyCar and have success. Marcus Erickson won the Indy 500, almost won another one currently sitting fourth uh, in the driver standings in IndyCar. Obviously, the, the big one, everyone knows Roman Grosjean going over. Um, Alex Rossi, of course, he uh, had half his year in Formula One. He's over in uh, IndyCar. He is American. But some names, young names that uh, people might know who have followed um, F2 over the last few years, there's there's four kind of big ones. Yeah, I'd say four big ones. I mean, obviously, you have... Uh, Christian Lungard, he raced in F2 for a while and a very talented driver. You have Callum Eilat, the British driver who received a lot of praise in Formula 2. You have Marcus Armstrong, who was phenomenal at high tech and 
I thought should have had an F1 sniff. And uh, finally, you have Jack Harvey, who uh, did a little bit of stints in F2 as well. So there's four young drivers who just didn't get the sniff at F1 who have gone over and had decent success in, in IndyCar and have made a name for themselves in IndyCar. So I think it's a great option for Nick DeFries. Obviously, he's very comfortable with Formula E, uh, have won a championship there, and that's uh, kind of you think he would go back to Formula E. However, I think uh, it would be a, a good challenge for him to head over to North America, get a little bit more marketing for his name out there, especially in North America, and uh, try to make for a, a name for himself in IndyCar. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Tal. I think IndyCar would be a great switch. I mean, he's already won Formula E, Formula E. he's already won Formula 2. Is it really worth it to go back as, you know, a 27-year-old in, like, uh, in something that's Formula E or something that's considered, you know, the second championship of Formula two, uh, Formula 1? I think IndyCar would be a great fit. Um, and like you mentioned, like a lot of European drivers from Formula 1 have gone over and have had success in general. So... You know, just just to get a just just to continue racing at, at the age that he is would be great for him. Um, and who knows with uh, Lewis Hamilton's? Um, I know he's uh, planning on uh, starting a league in the next few years as well. And with that, with that uh, Mercedes Mercedes partnership, who knows where he ends up? Yeah, time will tell. But uh, hopefully, he can find a seat somewhere. I mean, he's got no sort of options, so. Best of luck to him and, and whatever he does, but unfortunately his run in Formula 1 is over uh, at the moment. So uh, let's move on then to uh, the 2023 British Grand Prix. We are a few days removed now, but uh, always a good time when we decide to record these podcasts a few days later because <laughs> news like this tends to break uh, when, when we do these things. But let's get uh, some of your guys' thoughts on uh, the British Grand Prix, and I guess I'll just start with some generic ones. And uh, the big surprise, obviously, for the weekend was the pecking order behind Max Verstappen and Red Bull. I go into every race this weekend and, and all the other weekends hoping that somebody will finally upset Max Verstappen and Red Bull. I mean, Verstappen's been on fire this year. He's been driving phenomenally. This Red Bull car is so impressive. But it's boring, guys. I mean, it's it's just too boring. He's too dominant. He It's not challenging. It's it's not fun to watch, if I have to be really honest with everybody out there. But I was really hoping that, uh, you know, British Grand Prix, there's always some chances for some things to happen. There was rain in the forecast. Okay, Verstappen goes out, dominates again. But I was really surprised to see the two Papaya cars of Norris and Piastri not only qualifying really well, but also racing really well. I thought, okay, they qualified on the front row Second row as well. Okay, they're going to fall behind early stages of the race. Hamilton's going to finish on the podium. Maybe the Aston Martins or Ferraris will get in there as well. But they were keeping pace with Verstappen. I mean, Norris was keeping Verstappen quite honest in that first stint next to overtaking him at the at the first for a couple of corners in Silverstone. I mean, I have to really think back to this year of who has challenged Verstappen like Lando Norris did this weekend. I thought that was mighty impressive from McLaren, and I, I hope they can continue on this form because it really adds an interesting dynamic into this best-of-the-rest battle that we got going on here behind Red Bull. But, Tyler, wh what was your thoughts about the British Grand Prix? I know it was more of the usual at the very front of the race, but behind it was quite exciting of how things developed. Yeah, it really was. And, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing for McLaren, if they would have taken off that chrome, which obviously added a lot of uh, a lot of weight, that's why they didn't chrome out the entire car. I think uh, Lando might have won the race. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, no. Hey, all In all seriousness, it was great to see um, some challenges toward 
uh, Red Bull. And I really wish Piastri got third place. I mean, it was great to see two Brits on the podium at the British Grand Prix. That's awesome for the, the British fans to see that at their home race. Um, but it would have been really cool for Piastri to get third place. But just a, a phenomenal showing from McLaren out of nowhere. I mean, we, we I shouldn't say out of nowhere because we saw sort of hints of it with Lando last week uh, or last race, I should say. Uh, when he was the only one that had the upgrades. But, I mean, what a massive upgrade this was. What a success it is taking this Mercedes, or pardon me, this McLaren team from 16th, 15th on the grid all the way up to the podium in you know, a week and a half. It, it, obviously, it took a lot longer to develop, but uh, to you know stick that on, what crazy time difference they made. So that's uh, really nice to see. And some surprises as well. I mean, Look how the Williams raced really, really well. And it, not really a track we thought they'd be good at. They were, you know, I know how fast they are in a straight line, but obviously a lot of high-speed corners uh, at Silverstone, and they still raced really well as well. So I want to give a quick shout-out to Williams. We saw the Ferrari struggle. We, you know, we saw the Aston Martins and knew this wasn't going to be one of their strongest tracks uh, as well. And clearly that was shown in the results that they had. But... Just a really interesting packing order. And now I'm I'm excited to see what Hungary and Spa are going to bring. I mean, I, I'd watch out for the Williams at Spa if they can keep up this pace. I mean, they could have, you know, they could have get some some decent points as well. So, um, yeah, those are my thoughts. It's just a, an interesting sort of development. And I just want to quickly talk about how you mentioned how boring it is just with Max winning nonstop. And we said the same thing when Lewis was winning. And, and you know, that's what made the Ricardo Verstappen thing so frustrating is because they were fighting with each other when really we wanted them fighting with Lewis. However, you, you know, Shaker, you mentioned, you don't, you know, that, I, you know, how excited I am to see Ricardo and Verstappen back together. And I think that's what would make this the rest of the season interesting <laughs> is if something like that, or if not next season, make it interesting is that kind of little rivalry they had and how heated it got during their time. That's what, that's what we need this year is that Nico Rosberg, Lewis Hamilton, the scuffle between those two where, you know, the, there's a rivalry between those two. And even though those two ran away with it, it was still interesting because you had that little bit of a rivalry and they kept each other honest and pushed each other. And it was dramatic and this season it isn't. So um, yeah, I just want to touch on that quickly before I pass it to you, Shaker. Yeah, no, I, I, I have pretty much felt the same way. We kind of felt the same way about Lewis when he was winning for Mercedes um why can't we have like a vettel and hamilton rivalry you know just like a genuine like honest rivalry where nobody <laughs> well that might be the lando max rivalry down yeah. the line i mean they're two yeah. good buddies they race each other very clean yeah. um you know lando left a lot of room and max even noted it at the end of the race in his interview like oh it was great max left me lots of room or sorry lando left me lots of room and everything so i mean that that could be an interesting not rivalry but you know battle we see down the line yeah, and I, I want to point out that Lando Norris, I, I want to comment, I think the same thing last year, Lewis Hamilton as well as um, Fernando Fernando sent it as well. He's a very clean racing driver all along. I think it was at Silverstone last year too. He, uh, uh, Fernando commented how clean Lando is all the way through and it's really fun racing against him. So I, I agree, Lando Norris, uh, definitely probably my driver of the day, to be honest, and driver of the weekend. But I can honestly say no one's probably happier than Zach Brown after we saw him in qualify. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even Lando, is Zach happy? He's <laughs> not even on the headset. He is gone. <laughs> tell me, um, tell me yeah. you're American without telling me you're American. <laughs> yeah. I just can't get over the way he pronounces Grand Prix all the time. It really irks me. 
Yeah. And I mean, and we're from North America. I mean, Canada, we're not American, but still irks me. It does. And I, I like, I don't know if it's just to do with the, uh, the upgrades they brought, obviously with that, as well as the tires that Pirelli have changed in the last couple of weeks or two, because it seems like a lot of ti- a lot of teams are benefiting from the tire change. And except for Red Bull, I think the last two weekends are the only team that hasn't really, I mean, personally, I've noted that haven't benefited from it. I might be wrong, but um, all the other teams seem to be really doing really good with that tire change that they brought in a couple of weeks ago too. So. Well, that's interesting. It just reminded me while you're talking about Norris there, and I agree. I think he's one of the the more talented up and comers. I think he's uh, better than George Russell in in my opinion, and and should be hopefully get us a car in the next few years where he can fight with with Max and, and Charles. But one of the interesting things about the whole driver market and developments is that Helmut Marco was saying that Lando Norris is a candidate for that Red Bull seat in the next few years, that they would really like to get Lando Norris into that Red Bull car. And there were talks and some negotiations before Norris had signed the long-term deal with McLaren that they wanted to be at Red Bull. So that's really interesting because I was all trying to, while even while we were talking about this whole thing, I was trying to figure out where Ricardo would fit into this because Ricardo was getting into his late 30s and he's not necessarily Red Bull's future. And even if you look at Max Verstappen, I mean, Max could drive another 10 years at Red Bull, but I don't think Max is going to be in the sport for very much longer, if I'm going to be honest with you guys. So I think that it would make sense for Red Bull to look at somebody like Norris, who would be the future either replacement to Verstappen or just a a short-term teammate for Max. But I think Verstappen's so strong at the moment that I don't know if any driver could maybe touch him one-on-one, but it would certainly be interesting to see. And like you said, Tyler, it really is missing... I don't necessarily miss the drama, per se, let's say that we got between Verstappen and Hamilton a few years ago, but just at least the close rivalry, you know, the close wheel-to-wheel racing and the unknowns that we used to get going into every race weekend of who would win and who would come out on top. But I do have to say that it's really nice to see uh, the respect between uh, Lewis and Max after all these years. This season, anytime they've been on the podium, they've been really almost they look like friends that they are now. I mean, just kind of joking with each other, always respect, showing a lot of class. So it's nice to see from the both of them. There's obviously a lot of history there, a lot of tension that you might expect after everything that happened, but they've uh, they've put it behind them and, and they're both cool with each other now. So I like to see that. So respect between uh, two championship winners there, I guess. <laughs> Fan base is not so much, but uh, hopefully they'll catch up. <laughs> 100%. No, I'm just touching on Lando's contract. I believe it goes to 2025. Um, the end of the 2025, 2025 season. I could be I, wrong, but I think I, that's what it was. Didn't they in, back in 2020 when they signed? It was a long contract. From it's a long one. Yeah, something like yeah. that. Five years or something when they signed him. So that would make sense. Yeah, so it, it would be nice to see. I mean, I definitely don't expect that McLaren is going to be the team now to try and put the fight toward Red Bull, but... The problem is with this fluctuation of one week it's Mercedes the best, the next it's Ferrari, and then one week it's Aston Martin, is that nobody's getting closer to Red Bull. And I don't see at the moment any team on pure pace who's going to be able to beat Red Bull. Like Next Track, for example, is going to be another really strong one for Red Bull. Spa is another one as well. So I think unless Verstappen makes a mistake or has some sort of reliability problem, we could be seeing a, a real potential here for Red Bull to try and sweep all the wins this season. But the British Grand Prix was definitely a, a really solid race for from that perspective from some of these midfield teams. I know Alpine lost quite a bit on that Sunday with the double DNF, so McLaren leapfrogged them right away in the championship. Aston Martin, they just still scored a couple of points, 
So they're still within touching distance of Mercedes, 22 points behind for P2. Can you talk about Esteban Ocon at some point? Sorry, I know you mentioned Alpine, but what Let's happened to Esteban Ocon this season? It's <laughs> <laughs> a good like, question. <laughs> no one really has an answer for like the fall off from like, it's not a huge fall off, but compared to what he was what he was performing at last season it just seems like a huge fall off with Pierre Gasly in the other seat now well I mean I will say it wasn't his fault this race it was a hydraulic leak or something like that so uh, you know, that's no no fault of his own but I mean last race what was it was it twice this season he hasn't served penalties property properly he's had a, he's like, like five penalties in five different races there was like three races in the row at the beginning of the season where he kept on getting penalties so I, I I don't know, man. I don't know if it's the track limits or you just like <laughs> it's racing in his own world. I mean, Alpine is just kind of a disaster on its own. I feel year after year they just keep disappointing everybody. Yeah, I mean, Pierre Gasly has definitely been like you know keeping them up there somehow, but yeah. I always expected them to be the ones to eventually fall. I mean, they did score a podium a few races ago in Monaco, but that was kind of maybe very track-specific. It was a one-off. That yeah, was some... Ocon, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But no, still, but... yeah, overall, I think Alpine's just always been... They find a way to just disappoint. And it's funny on this weekend, too, with Piastri almost scoring the podium. Alonso doing really well this season. It just kind of... You, you understand now why those decisions were made. Yeah, yeah, no, it makes, makes a lot of sense, for sure. What else uh, could we talk about for the British Grand Prix? I know Tyler agreed with you with a special mention on Williams. Even Logan Sargent had a pretty solid race, ended up moving into uh, P11 after that five-second penalty. So uh, a solid race there, knocking on the doors of, uh, of his first points in Formula 1, so hopefully he gets that soon. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to think what else happened uh, in the race that we could maybe talk about that was of note. We had a lot less penalties. I mean, we didn't get a chance to talk about the Austrian Grand Prix track limits. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, that was just something on its own. But I, I don't know. I liked it. I kept the drivers honest. I, I wasn't that a problem last year too. I feel like they yes. mentioned that they should like make a runoff area or put some gravel down in that same area the last two years as well, and it was still a problem this season. It was more consistent they... this this season or this race, which I kind of liked. You know, yeah, you knew what the limits were. And yeah, they were consistent with it. Yeah. like I actually had no issues with the track I, limits, I and no a lot of people did. But yeah. I think you're right. I think they are putting a gravel there next year. I, I, I know they mentioned it the last, like, they mentioned in Austria last year, and maybe it wasn't Austria, but they mentioned in another race where all the, in all the other areas they have a gravel or sand to stop the drivers from going over. But there it's just, like, straight concrete, so they just take advantage of it completely. I think the reoccurring issue with, like, in particular the Red Bull Ring and some of these others is that they're also used for MotoGP. So for the motorcycles, it's they can't necessarily use the gravel in certain sections of the track. So it's always a, a kind of a balancing act of Formula One and MotoGP and some of these other series. But I think that, you know, why not just do it temporarily? Put the gravel traps in for, for Formula One, and then when MotoGP comes back, you can just put it back to the asphalt or, or something like that because yeah the, the one in austria was a was quite a bit of a joke to try and follow the ever-changing order five hours after the race after all the, the penalties yeah. were sorted out so i love i love lando's comment at the other end of that race lewis was going on after every lap every lap i was right behind him i saw him go off every lap <laughs> there's a, a good instagram meme video i saw about 
the penalties in Austria. I can't tell you who did it, but I don't know. It was just it was funny. There's a lot of people making jokes of it. It is oh. a joke. I mean, I mean, just imagine a new fan or just a casual fan trying to understand some of these quirks of Formula One. I, we've talked about this, I think, for ever since we started the podcast about why not just put things like gravel on the outside of the track, and then we know what the track limits are because you know the drivers aren't going to go out that far. And it's just as simple as that. So, yeah, I think, uh, especially in Austria, though, because you have those two final high-speed corners, so it tends to get abused quite as much, whereas in Silverstone, not so much of a problem. And uh, for next track, for example, in Budapest, not that much of an issue as well. So I think I think the track limits issue should kind of die down a little bit as yeah. uh, as the races come on. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that about kind of wraps up uh, the British Grand Prix. Of course, the, the big chunk of this podcast was really talking about the breaking driver market news. But uh, looking ahead now to the future, two more races to go until the summer break. Next one, of course, at the Hungaro Ring, which is going to be really nice and interesting to see. And then the final race of July, which will happen at uh, Spa-Francorchamps for the Belgian Grand Prix. So, uh, I'll give the final word to you guys here. Uh, anything that's been on your mind since uh, the last time that we saw each other in terms of the F1 world? Anything that you're looking forward to or that you wanted to bring up here uh, while we're live on the air? Uh, 24 race season calendar got uh, released uh, last week, I believe. Um, so I'll, some, uh, some good notes there. Obviously, Japan moving back uh, into a springtime position, uh, which is interesting. Um, what else? The Las Vegas movie. Oh, that was always in the fall. Qatar in the fall. I don't think it was before. But that's now the second last race of the season. China's um, back. Yeah. Which one's back? Which one's back? Sorry. China. Back after like three or four years since. Oh yes. That's the big one, that's right? A, that's absolutely <laughs> right. Yeah, Chinese Grand Prix. Yeah, that's right. So that's uh, that's good to see as well. It'd be great for for Joe to get a home race for him. So good to see that for him. Um. But yeah, it was just interesting. Azerbaijan got moved to 17th. And thank God they got rid of that back-to-back with Azerbaijan and going to Canada. That was so stupid. Yeah, no. um, so great to, great to see that off the calendar. So are they, do they still have two, do they still have Imola and the Italian Grand Prix still? Did was, or did yes. they take one of them off? Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, Imola, I, I, then I Monaco, then Canada. And then, uh, if, quote me if I'm wrong, four Saturday night British time races. Um which is interesting. I like different kind of market they're going for there. So that'll be interesting. I feel like the British time kind of works for like worldwide in terms of for us too. Like it's like a 9 p.m. 10, um, sorry, not 9 a.m. 10 a.m. race for us too. So it's not, I mean, yeah, it's like it's definitely more, you know, suited for people in Europe, but it's not terrible for us out here either. I know I feel like if you're out in LA, you're like looking at like a 6 a.m. start time for that race. So, well, at that point, Pacific time, everything starts early. So, yeah. 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 Th- that's interesting that we have those Saturday races next season. That I know for the first two ones in uh, in Bahrain and Saudi, they're doing it to, uh, to accommodate Ramadan or, or the start yes. of Ramadan, uh, that they have those uh, first two races in, in first uh, end of March, end of February and beginning of March. And I think the Las Vegas, but the Las Vegas one this year as well will be a Saturday race, uh, which was kind of the first time in, in uh, many, many years that they've uh, done a Formula One race on Saturday. So a lot of interesting things in the calendar. There's a lot of uh, longer breaks in between some of the races, but then we also have, a, I think, uh, three triple headers and uh, the longest uh, ever season, not just in terms of the races, but also in terms of the duration of, uh, of the calendar as well. So yeah, it's going to be quite packed. 
And yeah, uh, just speaking on that, Chris, the season starts uh, technically race day is uh, March 2nd, 2024 at the Barring Grand Prix, and it will wrap up on the 8th of December. So mm-hmm. you're looking at 10 months almost, nine months. Wow. 10 months, whatever it is. Yeah, super long. But we'll see. We'll see if we get the full 24 races because this year we didn't uh, get the full calendar either. And uh, there's always the chance for for cancellations or something like that. But uh, we'll see. But uh, yeah, I think that was that was the big news. The the calendar revealed uh, last week. And uh, yeah, I think that was uh, kind of about it in, in terms of uh, anything else that we might have uh, missed out on in the recent weeks. Yep, I agree. All right. Well, sounds good then. I mean, I think that uh, we'll do it then for this episode of the podcast, a little bit of uh, British Grand Prix review and the latest uh, breaking news about Daniel Ricciardo being promoted to Alpha Tower. You guys got our thoughts on it. So now it's your turn. If you are, are watching on YouTube, jump down to the comments below and let us know what you think of uh, the latest breaking news and also your thoughts on the British Grand Prix as well. And if you listen to us, uh, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere, wherever you get your podcasts, make sure you do subscribe to the BMF1 Show podcast so you never miss a new episode from us as well. Of course, we are in the summertime, so we have been taking a, a little bit of a, a break here and there because uh, busy with work, busy with vacation. We weren't here some weekends and otherwise as well. So we will try to get as many podcasts out to you guys in the next little while as we can. And of course, we have the summer break coming up in August, which we will be uh, taking a break for ourselves as well and shutting down during that time frame. Uh, the good news is I will be at uh, the next race, actually, at the uh, Hungaro Ring. So I will be providing uh, some some footage, some behind-the-scenes stuff as much as I can. And uh, hopefully we'll catch some uh, interesting things for you guys to watch. So watch, look out for that on that channel. And, of course, uh, hoping that uh, you guys can join us uh, following the next race as well for, uh, for a podcast. So I'm looking forward to that. And fingers crossed that we get uh, a new winner in, uh, in 2023. I'd uh, love to see that for you in person. If you got to see uh, a wild race in Hungary and uh, a different winner as well, it'd make it uh, an interesting watch for you to be in there in person. I hope you enjoy that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I've uh, Hungary and Grand Prix is always exciting, so it should be really good. It's, uh, you're going to see a lot of Dutch fans there too, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Maybe you absolutely. wear that shirt. <laughs> I think I will. <laughs> <laughs> you fit in. I'll bring the full orange kit, but uh, we'll hopefully bring some luck with me and, and another team will be able to to win. But yeah, always provides a good race. So looking forward to that. And of course, as usual, guys, you check out our social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. All of the links can be found in the description, whether it's on the video or in the uh, podcast description as well. So follow us on all these channels. You can keep up with our updates, keep up with the podcast and any other videos coming out in the channel. Shaker Tyler, any final words before we sign? Sign off for today. Just enjoy, uh, enjoy the Hungarian Grand Prix. It's gonna be awesome for you. Yeah, no, same. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I definitely will, and can't wait to share it with you guys. So, for Tyler and Shaker, I've been Chris Cato. Thank you very much, guys, for joining us here on the BMF One Show podcast. We appreciate the support, and we hope you can join us again next time. Until then, it's bye for now. Take care, everybody.